the free for all roundtable round one on round one let's say good morning to jerry agar joining me live in studio you can listen to jerry from nine to noon sabrina not sabrina and angie actually deb hutton is here who's still laid up with a twisted ankle she and is, no car and no car and did do you get a replacement car or something like that when your car gets stolen deb or are you uh screwed uh, no, our insurance did uh, allow for a rental. However, if anyone has tried to rent a car, at least in Toronto, that's my only experience, it is almost impossible. So I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And Saturday morning, when I still could walk, I uh, was able to walk and get a, get a rental vehicle. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? You know I love you. But yesterday I promoted a topic. I said, coming up, why you don't want to be Deb Hutton? Oh. I heard from a lot of people. <laughs> I also heard that that uh, that folks said that uh, you know there's this invention called crutches. Well, FYI, I have them, but I'm telling you, crutches and stairs do not mix. So no, I'm, okay. So, so very mindful of the struggles, but here you are from your couch, <laughs> uh, ready to contribute. And finally, Scott Reed, who's been patiently standing by, political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Uh, let's start with the uh, mayor's races and. We we can't do them all, but there are some pretty dramatic stories to tell, including John Tory winning his third and last mandate. And uh, Scott Reed, let me start with you. Uh, what do you think that mandate looks like? Do we have Scott Reed? Is this one of those mornings? Where yes. There we no, go. you all have right. me. I just I had my mic on mute because I was trying to be thoughtful while we were in the uh, intermission. Um, look, the mayor has told us. Uh, we had him on, Jerry and I, the other day on Friday in the afternoon, and then He's, you know, given interviews where he has said what to expect, expect more of the same. He said he's going to he's going to be the same mayor that he's been. And to be candid with you, I I don't think he should be the same mayor. I think he should say to himself, you know what? I've got a third mandate. I know I'm not running again. I'm never going to face voters again. I know that big mayor powers are available and I know that people feel like things can't get done. So if I was him, I would say it's time to try to hit that ball out of the stadium. I hope he takes some big swings at a couple of big projects. Use the power, use the freeing authority of never having to face voters again and and do some stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about Josh Matlow chewing on your behind. Like just go out there and do some stuff. So we'll see. But that's what I'd like to see. Okay. Jerry Agar, the mayor, pushed back when we had a conversation this morning at 635. And I asserted that I feel there's a growing restlessness and discontent in this city about everything from crime to garbage on the streets and homelessness and streets under endless construction. Um, I'd love to see him get aggressive about those things in the next four years and then, you know, doff the hat. We're done. Yeah, so, so would I. But as Scott pointed out, we tried that on him on Friday. I even went so far as to say, look, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that you know I am qualified to give, and that it is incredibly freeing to not care at all what people think of you. And uh, but, but, but as they pointed out in the Toronto Star, he started so young in politics. He has 53 years of political experience. He's not going to change. And, and realistically, if you had done a couple of terms as mayor, and 62% of the people voted for you when there were 30 other people to vote for, why would you think you need to change? Uh, Deb Hutton, I, I sometimes forget what the associations are, but you had a hand in the mayor's campaign, did you not? Yeah, so I was uh, one of three co-chairs of the campaign, very proud of the campaign he ran, and, and so I put my bias up there. Obviously, I think he's the right man for the job. Um, he has said, yes, Scott and, and Jerry are right, he's going to do transit and see it through. He's going to do housing and, and make it more more supply, more affordable. I would just posit that those are two pretty big and, and going to require pretty aggressive uh 
uh, efforts on his part. Changing the density in this city is going to be a massive struggle. And he has laid down the gauntlet and said, we are going to have to put more duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes in neighborhoods that don't want them. And so, yes, it's more of the same to, to Jerry and Scott's point, as I said, but I will tell you, I don't think these are going to be easy things. We're already complaining about traffic woes. And if you start building the amount of transit, which we've already done, but if we continue to, to put down uh, all of the construction that goes with that transit plan, it is not going to be an easy third term. No, I, Jerry's probably going to start riding a bicycle. I want to know what's going to happen with Adelaide, and I want to know, and we're trying to find somebody who can tell us this. What, are, we're doing something with Queen Street, so we're going to dig up Adelaide right across the entire city. I right, don't understand that. is currently closed, too. Oh, sure. Well, let's think of another street we could close. Why not? Okay. You guys it have just bloody... proved my point. <laughs> there is not oh. going to be an easy four years for John Tory. Okay. But did we just experience radio tragedy because John made a crack about Jerry riding a bicycle and Jerry did not bite. And I, for one, would rather live in the alternative universe where Jerry came back and responded to that. So. <laughs> Why would I get a stupid bicycle when I have a two-wheeled vehicle with a motor on it? True. Oh, Did that make boss. you feel better, Scott? And you should see yeah, you bet, Hog King. <laughs> you got to see those long locks blowing in the wind and born to be wild to accompany it. Uh, I'll let you guys very quickly take this in any direction because there's some pretty interesting results. Andrea Horvath winning in Hamilton. We got Patrick Brown re-elected Brampton. Steve Del Duca squeaking by in Vaughn. Bonnie Crombie elected in Mississauga. And worth noting, a former radio show host, was elected mayor of Ottawa. Tim? Uh, not Tim, sorry, Scott? Yeah, I mean, pretty straightforward. There are a couple of those races were interesting and tight. So Hamilton was tight. Andrea Horvath coming out, as most people figured she would. Vaughn was tight. Uh, when I went to sleep last night, uh, Stephen Del Duca was the loser, not the winner. So that's super tight, like 800, 900 votes. And Ottawa turned out to be a thumping, and people thought that was a tight race. I think that's an interesting little internal. Whenever the mayor's race in Ottawa gets interfered with, or that's the wrong word, but when he gets when he gets uh, swarmed by all the federal politicos, it's always interesting. And all the federal politicos for Trudeau lined up behind the loser, so that's kind of curious. Uh, Deb Hutton, what stories do you tease out of last night's results? Well, I have to admit, I was disappointed about Vaughn, I was disappointed about Brampton, and I was disappointed about Hamilton, because I did uh. think it was time for those three politicians to move on. However, the one that I like the best is the one you talked about earlier, John, which is uh, in Port Colborne. I've known Bill Steele, who's the uh, uh, returning mayor for, I think, 20 years, and I never knew he had a brother until his brother decided to run against him. Yeah, and they haven't spoken in 30 years, and the brother lost, so Bill Steele stays on. Jerry Agar. Well, I, I think that one thing that we have proven in Ontario is that if you are a failed leader of a provincial party, mayor is always open to you. Um, so there's that. And I would just like to uh, send out some condolences and love to uh, Jennifer Innes, who ran for mayor of Caledon, really, really, really worked hard on that campaign, but she lost. Um, but she'll still be part of my show and my circle. Good stuff. Um, can can I add one more quick thing? Yeah. Just, John? Sure. I'll just, I want it on the record so the tape can be played back at me. I'm going to bet $100 a Patrick Brown does not fulfill his term. I won't go any further. I'm not going to slam the guy. He won. Congratulations. But I'll bet you 100 bucks right now he doesn't fulfill Why? his term. Do you think he's going on to another job or is there scandal in the air? I think there will be problems in his future because... Because why wouldn't there be? There have, been, <laughs> there have been problems in his past. There will be problems in his future. I would just say stay tuned, True Believer. Okay, Scott, if that's true, I'm going to pay the 100 bucks for you. 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, we didn't say where the hundred bucks was going. Is it going to me? Don't care. It's I'm going it. to the LCBO. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with it. Um, Doug Ford lawyering up and refusing to offer testimony or questioning whatever at the Emergencies Act inquiry. Um, Scott Reed, what's going on here? Don't know, but it's not cool. And look, there's a public inquiry. You've got prime minister, you've got chiefs of police, you've got other ministers, you've got other people, mayors, all testifying. The OPP obviously were involved. It happened in the province of Ontario. The premier and the solicitor general, former solicitor general, have uh, have a role at this. And um, and the fact that they don't want to testify perplexes me because Ford hasn't been shy about saying that what his view was on the convoy. He hasn't acted like he fears his own political base who might have been part of it might have been supportive he threw out roman baber uh on vaccine mandates and stuff so i just don't i don't really understand what's going on here which makes me highly suspicious because he's going to take a hit for not going he'll probably be forced to go by the courts and so why would you take this on if it smells to me like they've done a risk assessment there's something we don't know that is causing them to say we really 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 don't want to be under oath yeah, but unfortunately, he leaves a vacuum into which will quickly be sucked all of these conspiracy theories about what might be, and I don't think that's good. And even if there's some potential risk to him, I think, as Scott points out, I don't think it's tremendous risk. So, um, and, and plus, there won't be an election for a while, and people forget anyway. So why not just do it? I, I, just, I can't defend him on this, or, or Sylvia Jones either. Yeah, Deb Hutton, I can't really see the game. I know you can't plead the fifth, but surely if there was something he felt was very sensitive about cabinet deliberation, he could just say, I'm not comfortable ask, answering that question. I don't know why he's, you know, we're going to end up in court fighting over whether the premier explains how he reasons about things. Yeah. And, and I think this is just politics uh, on all sides. I think he's being asked to go for political reasons, not for legitimate reasons. I think he's saying no for political reasons, not legitimate reasons. Uh, I personally am with, with Scott and Jerry. I actually think he should go because I think he would excel at it. Sure. And I think he could, could actually do a great job and get his message out there, a message that supported him and had him win in, in June of 2000, uh, 2022. Um, but I, I, I'm guessing, knowing it's about the federal decision. I'm sending my deputy ministers. I'm not going and the feds aren't going to tell me to go. I don't think there's anything sinister. I don't think it's a smart move. But that being said, that's my guess as to what's behind it. In the same way as calling him and Sylvia, I actually do think it was political. It wasn't the inquiry, remember. It was the Civil Liberties Association who's been really pushing for this and some of the convoy protesters. Uh, very quickly, uh, Rishi Sunak, new prime minister in the UK, is worth more than a billion dollars. Deb Hutton, is it a problem when a leader is that rich? No, not on the face of it, not by the facts. Where it becomes a problem is in your policy making going forward. And and are you a hypocrite because of some of your behavior? So the one that's been raised already is that his wife has been able to legally avoid paying taxes on her international income or her international assets. Um, and so that becomes an issue. But the fact that you have a leader who is wealthy should not, and I don't think matter, does matter at all. Last word, Scott Reed. Yeah, I'm going to echo Deb. I worked for a prime minister who was probably the wealthiest person to ever serve as prime minister in Canada, and it actually created headaches. And, and you know, he went above and beyond what he had to do in terms of public disclosure of his assets and setting them in a blind trust and all that. Still created all sorts of ongoing issues. Really cost us votes in the province of Quebec and uh, where suspicions and rumors were started. So it will be an ongoing political challenge for him. But, you know, do I think inherently that people that are wealthy should not serve? Of course not. Thank you all. Good to have you. Jerry Egar is going to be back about 45 minutes from now to tell us what's on his mind today as he prepares for his show. He's just climbing on the hog right now, going for a spin. 
Scott Reed and uh, Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.